If you've been at Calvary Bible Church for a while, you know that October is Reformation Month for us. During uh, the month of October, we stop and we just take a few moments during the service to remember some of those who gave their lives and labored to make sure we could have Bibles and sound doctrine and know the gospel. Before, um, we have focused on Martin Luther and John Calvin mainly. Uh, Martin Luther was in Germany and he nailed his 95 uh, theses on the wall, the door of the Wittenberg Church there in uh, Castle Church in Wittenberg. And, and when he did that, what happened is, is it, it caused a whole firestorm of discussion that really led to Germany being transformed by the gospel. In Switzerland, uh, in, in where Calvin was in Geneva, his faithful preaching and teaching of the word of God and his labors in writing his institutes, which was really the first systematic theology, transformed that whole city. And so I thought for this month, uh, Reformation Month, we would leave uh, Luther and Calvin and talk about the English Reformation. Out of the Reformation um, came uh, just uh, volumes of writings, and these writings spread around, and the English Reformation had its uh, own happenings while things were going on in Germany and uh, with Luther and uh, in, in Geneva with Calvin. And one of the great leaders of uh, the English Reformation, one of the very first people, really came quite a bit before Luther. As a matter of fact, um, he was 150 years before Luther, and uh, his name was uh, none other than John Wycliffe. You've probably heard of Wycliffe translators, or you uh, maybe know uh, the name. John Wycliffe was just a a Roman Catholic monk, and John Wycliffe was um, studying the scriptures. And as he studied the scriptures, he became convinced that the Bible was sufficient because of what it said. He is uh, often referred to as the morning star of the Reformation The reason for that is that he was the first one who translated significant portions of the Bible into English so that the English speaking people could actually read the Bible in their own native tongue. Before that, everything was in Latin. The Roman Catholic Church had the Bible and they really didn't teach the Bible or preach the Bible. And what little they did quote from the Bible during the mass was always in Latin, a language that most people didn't understand. Well, John Wycliffe, um, who was uh, uh, very busy doing his work around uh, 1380, uh, was trying to translate the Bible. He didn't have the Hebrew and Greek, but he took the Latin Vulgate, which was the Latin translation of the Bible, and he translated that into the Old English. He lived really in the darkest part of the Dark Ages. The Roman Catholic Church no longer resembled the church at all. It had become pagan. It had become uh, really uh, uh, cultish. It's just full of ritual, full of superstition, full of corruption. Uh, People were starving for the truth. They were dying and perishing for eternity for want of the gospel. There was a famine of the word, a spiritual vacuum that only God could fill. And it was at that crucial time that God raised up John Wycliffe. 
John Wycliffe was educated at Oxford. He was a brilliant Roman Catholic theologian. He studied the scriptures and became convinced that the scriptures alone were sufficient for all matters of faith and practice. As he studied the Bible, he became increasingly more alarmed that the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church were not right and that they were hindering people from actually getting into heaven. He was very outspoken about this, and because of that, he was a marked man. Well, after he started to speak out against the Pope, because he saw no popes in the Bible, he saw no papal infallibility, he saw um, uh, just an absence of many of the doctrines that the Roman Catholic Church had taught him and all the people at that time. And so as he spoke out, uh, his life was in danger. And so he was removed from his position and uh, at Oxford. In 1381, he began to translate the Bible from Latin into English, as I mentioned earlier. And when he did that, people began to read the Bible in their own language. This so amazed people to actually find out that the Roman Catholic Church did not resemble the Bible hardly in any way. That this group of people began to arise who were passionate preachers of the word and they were led by Wycliffe. And these, these, these kind of lay preachers were called Lollards. The Lollards brought forth a revival of apostolic preaching, which pretty much had been dormant for over a thousand years. Through his efforts in translating the Bible... Wycliffe um, motivated these preachers to go out and just preach the truth in English to the common people in a way they could understand it. He was the first man to successfully translate um, the bulk of the Bible into uh, the English language. The Roman Catholic Church was so furious that people were uh, learning uh, the Bible that uh, they were um, really trying to put Wycliffe to death. One uh, representative of the Roman Catholic Church uh, argued against Wycliffe's translation, saying, quote, By this translation, the scriptures have become vulgar. They are more available to laity and even to women who can read than they are to learn scholars who have a high intelligence. So the pearl of the gospel is scattered and trodden underfoot by swine, end quote. The Roman Catholic Church did not want the truth out because they knew as soon as it was out that all of their manipulative man-made doctrines would be exposed and they would lose their power and lose their income and lose their control over the people. Though the Roman Catholic Church tried to destroy all copies of Wycliffe's translation, nearly 200 copies have survived. Wycliffe's translation continued to circulate under the radar of the Roman Catholic Church being read by lay people and scholars alike. As people read the truth, they saw errors of Roman Catholic doctrine and began to pull away from the church um, even long before Luther came on the scene. J.C. Ryle, commenting on this, said, quote, How Wycliffe escaped without a violent death and finally died quietly in Lutterworth is a miracle indeed. But it is evident to my mind that God protected him in a miraculous way. It was God who raised up John Gaunt, the Princess of Wales, to favor him. It was God who sent the earthquake which broke up a London synod when it was about to condemn him. It was God who inclined the University of Oxford to give him support, end quote. 
Wycliffe's translation caused the Roman Catholic Church so much grief that even after he was died, 43 years later after his death, there was a council held, the Council of Constance, and it convicted Wycliffe of 260 counts of heresy. They then sought out and tried to find every single thing he had ever written to burn it. They dug up his bones from the grave, burnt them in the fire, and threw his ashes into the river swift. Wycliffe indeed was the morning star of the Reformation. His translation continued to be read and circulated long after Wycliffe was dead. And the truth was beginning to seep out into the public and the Reformation was beginning. Following Wycliffe, the morning star, was another famous forerunner of the English Reformation. This was William Tyndale. Born shortly after the death of Wycliffe in 1494, he lived a short life and died in 1536. Educated at Oxford and Cambridge, he was appalled at the biblical ignorance, the immorality and paganism of the Roman Catholic priesthood. Most priests couldn't even name half the books of the Bible. They were so biblically illiterate. This infuriated him because he believed that the priesthood should be people who were the experts in the scripture and they should be teaching the people the Bible. Fired with holy zeal, he said to one biblically illiterate priest, quote, if God spare my life for many years, I will cause a boy that drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than you do, end quote. Tyndale tried to get the Bishop of Tunstall in London to sanction his English translation, but the bishop refused, saying, quote, not only was there no room at my Lord of London's palace to translate the New Testament, but also that there was no place to do it in all of England. Tyndale refused to take no for an answer, and he found private investors who invested in his Bible translation so that he could then have it printed in worms in Germany. Unlike Wycliffe's translation, uh, Tyndale was able to translate this from Hebrew and Greek, the original languages of the Bible. And so his translation was a lot more accurate. He labored to make it smooth and readable so that everybody in society could have ready access to it. The printing press was a brand new invention. And so he took his new Bible translation, took it to um, Germany, and there 6,000 copies were printed out. The problem was, is that as soon as they began to be sold in England, Tunstall, fearful of the word of God, getting into the hands of the common people, bought up every single copy he could find. That's why in uh, the first edition, which was printed in 1526, only two copies survived today. However... The sales of Tinsdale's purchasing of all of those Bibles then went to Tyndale, and he used all that money to write a better edition. And so after his better edition was finished in the providence of God, it was then printed and Tunstall could no longer buy up all the copies. So excellent was Tyndale's work that 90% of Tyndale's translation is found in the 1611 edition of the King King James Bible. Not only that, amazingly, 75% of Tyndale's translation is still found in the English Standard Version of 1952. Tyndale was evidently betrayed by a friend, imprisoned and tried and sentenced to death. He was tied to a stake, strangled, but before he died, with passion and fervor, he spoke out, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Both John Wycliffe and Tyndale 
William Tyndale are two men who we need to remember because it was those two men who brought us our English Bibles. And Tyndale gave his life so that you and I could sit in this place and read the Bible for ourselves.